hello again, everybody. It's IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten and I will talk about some of the things that have been coming up in our interviews, especially the ones that we've been doing on amplifying Black voices. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. There have been a lot of very interesting experiences, Kirsten. And what about the the emotions that are really coming out? It's really been striking to me. You know, what we thought was going to be some business insight has really also reflected a lot of personal emotions. Mark, this has been such an emotional experience for even you and I. You know, listening to what people are sharing, their stories. And I even think it started um, during our interview with Paulette Jordan when she shared what happened to her grandmother, even though she's Native American, there's parallels there. So listening and then even energetically for me as a healer, experiencing the trauma in the bodies of these individuals that we have interviewed, it truly blows my mind what they have to live with mm-hmm. in a minute to minute. It's minute to minute. It's not just day to day, right? It's a minute to minute. And uh, as a white person for me, you know, this is that white privilege that we talk about. I don't have to worry about that. I have things I have to worry about as a female, but I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. As people were reflecting on some of those experiences, as I said, there were work experiences. You know, I was in a meeting or somebody said something to me that, you know, sort of got my feelings agitated. But then there were social settings, there were recreational settings, there were just other experiences that said at some level, I felt a deep emotional response, a reaction. And I thought maybe that's what we could explore a little bit. We were thinking back to the seminal publication of Emotional Intelligence written by Daniel Goleman. It's so common now to use this word emotional intelligence, but to really go back to the actual book and say, what what did he mean by having more knowledge and more control and more understanding of our emotions. You know, it's funny. You always talk about the action, the actionable component of what we learn or what we understand or what actions do we take. As you were speaking, what came up for me is, yeah, it's really great to have emotional intelligence, but it is not enough to not apply it. And we all have a choice. So if you are emotionally aware and you choose to act differently, then you just made a conscious choice to behave in a manner that can harm somebody else. And I think that's what we're talking about is, you know, ignorance is no longer an acceptable statement, right? Because this conversation's everywhere. And and it is great. White people have been emotionally aware for a very long time. Right? We've mm-hmm. been aware. We had this fight in the 60s before they killed off all of our black leaders, right? So we couldn't continue the movement. And then we had presidents who ensured we locked up the black men. So being emotionally aware doesn't quite cut it. It's what you, love and kindness, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not just a feeling, it's an action. Yes. Right. And I think that's when you because you always say, you know, what's the action that you take? The action is you behave differently in accordance with 
really core values of love and kindness. And I even hate the word tolerance. To tolerate you is much different than to love you. Well, and even with saying that, to say we have more knowledge about our emotions, but how many people do we know that say, oh, I can't help it. I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. You know, well, yeah. that's just the way I am. I'm an ENTJ. Uh, you and I yeah. laugh about that yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't help it. I'm a third child in a family of five. Uh, you know, right. As if just these things happen to us and we have no control mm-hmm. or that we have made, like you said, a conscious decision to either apply our new knowledge or to ignore it and just act reflexively. Absolutely. And I'm going to take it just a little bit farther and really talk about the spiritual realms, right? Just even if you look at the mass exodus of those leaving churches, but not stepping away from spiritual values, but moving away from churches, is they're really tired of hate and rhetoric that harms other human beings. Because we all know the spiritual principles are values. They're values. How can you espouse to be a bloody deacon of your church and you hate the black man or you hate the gay or you hate the woman or expect her to sit silently next to you? Mm-hmm. Like that is not spiritual. And that's a choice. That is a choice to remain ignorant. And ignorance is unacceptable because that is a choice. Yeah. In this uh, episode, then, we thought we would dive into emotional intelligence a little bit more. And Kirsten, as we were talking about, let's explore if there's anger and fear on one end of the spectrum, and there's love, happiness, and joy on the other end. What are the true emotional responses? But also, an emotion triggers a biological, a human physical response too. And I thought we would just look at that and and take a look at it. The researchers have defined some of these emotions and almost like a thesaurus here. Let's, Let's start with anger and sadness and fear. You know, anger meaning fury, outrage, resentment, indignation, irritability, hostility, all the things that, you know, you can just feel in some of those words, the anger coming up in your body. We'll look at what uh, bodily response comes from that. But then in fear, there's anxiety, apprehension, nervousness, edginess, dread, fright, terror. I think back to our interview with Eric Howell, And he was talking about, you know, if you're in a place in a neighborhood that's unfamiliar to you or in a dark alley, you know, or you're approached by someone that you don't know in a place that you feel uncomfortable and that fear truly overwhelms you. But if you go from anxiety to terror to, you know, you want to have an instinctual response, that's not all that good, is it? No, what you're provoking for me is um, I listened to Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about it. And it is natural and appropriate to have fear, anger, rage for a moment. An emotion that informs us that something is off. What has happened in today's society is that we are provoked And it's, you know, our government is fanning the flame. You know, people around us are fanning the flame. We are provoked to live in prolonged anger and fear and rage and uncertainty. 
And inside of that, not only are we harming other individuals, but we're actually, and you mentioned we'll talk about it some more, but we're actually physically harming our own body by harboring, right? This is where that dis-ease, which is a cliche word, but it's so appropriate, right? Dis-ease is then pocketing within your body and creating components in areas of you know, discomfort, disease, cancers. I mean, we're not even talking about environmental causes of all the poisons that are in our lands, right? But we're just what's happening to us. Yeah, just what's happening. This is where the flip side of COVID is so beautiful. We have more people in our land outside hiking, backpacking, fishing, boating, like you can't even get into the mountains anymore because it's packed. It's like a COVID party, right? So you don't want to go. But for those of us who have been in the outdoors our whole life are now watching people go. People are finding that anxiety slip away. They're finding the anger slip away. And, you know, there's a conversation for that. That's ascension, right? When you start getting in touch with the deeper meaning, you know, I, I, I love this conversation. Now, I kind of want to wrap it back around to, you know, the African-American community, the Black communities. They don't get to not live in fear. I think I heard a statistic yesterday. I don't know what I was listening to. Oh, I was listening to Cory Booker. God bless our man, right? I was listening to Cory Booker. 40% of our Black men will have been arrested with a felony for marijuana charges a lot, most of the time, and will never get to vote, that is having to live with that emotion, fear. And going back to your point about then what that does inside of you, uh, Daniel Goleman kind of takes us all the way back in evolution to say that built into the homo sapien is this fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And literally, he writes in the book that fear makes blood go right to the large skeletal muscles like the legs so that it's easier to run. Your face goes flush. uh, The body freezes for a moment, like what's going on here? And then the circuitry of the brain triggers a flood of hormones that puts the body on general alert, making it edgy and ready for action which then leads to what we're from fear goes to anger. The blood flows to the hands because in our uh, evolutionary predecessors, that was able to grab a weapon, strike the foe. So your heart rate is increasing. There's a rush of hormones again for adrenaline, for energy, all to have this action. And so imagine now what you're describing is that now we're in the modern era and you're just attacking me in the system, let alone attacking me physically. And so where does Mm -hmm. that fear and anger, you know, I'm scared I'm going to be arrested for just driving while black. Mm -hmm. I'm fearful that the ramifications of having a record, what will that do for my job, my family, my ability to uh, support? And we're going to take away your inherent right as a United States born citizen of voting. Mm-hmm. Right? Voter suppression. Right? So, the do- so the domino effect is tremendous. Well, let's uh, contrast that then, because now that we're understanding the thinking process, the psychological, but also the biological state, let's look at the other end of the spectrum. If we go for you know love, happiness, joy, let's look at uh, some words that connote enjoyment. So you get joy, relief, 
contentment, bliss, delight, amusement, pride, pleasure. Of course, with love, uh, you go acceptance and friendliness and kindness and adoration all the way to a true agape kind of love. And just thinking about the opposite end of those biological responses, again, the opposite of fight or flight, you want to go towards love, towards more tenderness, satisfaction, all the things that love might connote. Increased activity in the brain center that inhibits negative feelings and fosters increase in available energy. I mean, isn't that amazing that those have such, not just touchy-feely, but look at the biological response that that creates. Isn't that Without amazing? a doubt. I just did a post on this on my Instagram and Facebook. You know, laughter actually releases dopamine and endorphins, which has an immediate causal effect against depression, loneliness, sadness. Just even being, even they tell you, even just turn on the TV and watch a, a sitcom and laugh. That gains momentum. It's contagious. And to your point, love is the highest vibrating emotion. Love and joy are the two highest vibrating emotions, which in the spiritual healing communities, that is what is used. We used heart energy to support people's self-healing, right? And the shifting and removing of dis-ease into a healthy body with extreme vitality. You can be the best athlete in the world. It doesn't matter. You, at some point, you're going to reach a peak, and the only way to transcend and have, and I call it more 360-degree abundance, it's having a balance of happiness in all of your life. Peak performance is not just being great at one thing. Peak Mm. performance is really being the emanation of something as bright as love. And love can heal anything. Love can heal anything. You know, and I think about that laughter. Everybody who knows me, including you, says I'm I'm probably overdosing on endorphins mm-hmm. on any given day. <laughs> hey, you know, overdose on anything. Let it be uh, that. That's right, because right, if I'm not laughing, somebody is calling 911. But uh, mm-hmm. I do think, and I'll, I'll reveal this about myself, those that are close to me know that I have often wondered if some of those, you know, what's the song, if the tears of a clown. You know, I'm laughing on the outside, but on the inside, I'm sad. And sometimes I I find myself using either humor or sarcasm or just general, you know, try to laugh it off as a defense mechanism. If I'm feeling angers or resentment or just I don't want to feel my emotions. Uh, To what you say, though, laughter is a good medicine against Mm -hmm. the depression sometimes. On the one hand, we're talking about the individual level of emotion that if you go from anger and fear and embrace the the love, happiness, and joy. But you're also Mm -hmm. saying as a leader in an organization or any group, if you create anger, fear, resentment, etc., look at what you're creating in the room. You know, look at at a collection of biological responses, not just you as an individual. And then what if you flip that on its head and you said, hey, we're going to move from sadness and disgust, you know, to surprise 
and mm -hmm. love and happiness. Look at all the power that's going to be injected into those brains. Imagine the creativity. Imagine the problem solving. Imagine the team building. You talk about team building exercises. Let's have yeah, a team absolutely. building exercise where we inject some, some joy. Right. Not just one where I fall backwards and I have to trust that you're going to catch yes, me. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm still not okay with that one, okay? Which is probably okay. why we need to go out in the woods and do it more. No. Yeah. But, well, I, you know, but you're right. Look at the people I wouldn't trust anyway, right? <laughs> they dropped me. No, but isn't it interesting? We have these trust-building retreats, and yet why don't we just all go to a movie and laugh? Yeah. I mean, let's really, let's talk about this because, you know, our podcast is about leadership. Why are we working with the team building with employees when leadership can't get their shit together? Just, just call it right. Like, and I think that comes back to that hundred percent responsible that we started with. It's a choice and we are 100% responsible for how, if you choose to be a leader, if you choose to lead, if you choose to be a CEO or a C-level executive or a manager, anybody that is responsible for the outcome of both a customer and staff, then you have an obligation to figure yourself out. Mm -hmm. You have an obligation and it's simply not enough to be Harvard educated and do a good job. Mm -hmm. That's simply not enough because I can't I'm debating about using a word that I would use in corporate. Mark knows my, my, my mouth goes off a little bit, but I am going to avoid the word. But it's like watching Michael Douglas in that old movie, Wall Street. They don't care what they do. They just care that they get however many X's on their return. And this goes back to it. What would happen if they were actually required to go through emotional intelligence training? If you had to have a plaque. They said, you excel at the human condition, Yes, at supporting the human condition. Like that should be a pre-qualification before you can run anything. Which is why it's so good for me even to go back to the basics with Daniel Goleman's actual book. Because we mm -hmm. all talk about, well, you know, you need these soft skills or you need to have more emotion. But his very opening chapter says, look, we've known about IQ for so long. And we wanted the grade point averages, and we wanted the IQ scores, and we wanted the high intelligence. And as you said, I believe degree on a wall. But what about these EQs that you knew how to relate to people? And based on what we've even said here, you knew what biological, human, real people response there would be to the various emotions. And as a leader, as you said, it's not enough to know. Now you have to act. You know, you have mm -hmm. to leverage that understanding, be a better leader. And that's yes, what I'm even thinking of like my most recent role. And I just hear them all sitting in there laughing at if they were to hear this conversation, mm -hmm. right? They would mm -hmm. be laughing at the idea of emotional intelligence because they really did believe that their degrees were something, right? <laughs> like, like, what would I even possibly know? The reason I'm bringing this up, and this is personal, it's because how many people, Blacks, women, Native Americans, actually get laughed at when we bring the heart to the table and say, you can't do this anymore. We get laughed at 
And that's why we're just so happy to continue this conversation. And Kirsten, thanks for this dialogue over the emotional intelligence and the response, because uh, our guests have been so open. And you and I have said it many times. We start off to have a, a conversation about business, and that is just the beginning. You know, we, we, we just lay it all out on the table. And you know what? We've talked to people of all walks of life and all business sectors, and I look at the lineup we have to come. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, Mark, uh, government, uh, uh, politicians, uh, so the list keeps coming. It's unreal. You know, what's that emoji where the mo- the mind explodes, yes. right? That's how I feel right now with the guests that we're about yeah. to have and yeah. the guests that we have had, right? It's yeah. just surreal. Well, I just want to tease out a coming soon, not necessarily by name, but by title. We're going to be interviewing a globally recognized business school head really about this idea of conscious leadership on a global level. And she's part of a think tank of other university professors, business practitioners to connect some of these dots. Watch for that episode coming very soon because uh, I think she's really going to help us illuminate. It's not just happy, happy, joy, joy. It's not just getting along in the workplace. It's building a company on a foundation of conscious leadership, conscious for the people, conscious for the environment, which will deliver for the shareholders. You know, everybody says, well, that's the CEO's responsibility. You got to make value for the shareholders. Well, mm-hmm. you can you can do do it all. Yeah. And, and I just one note, and I'm so excited about that guest, one note. As it actually takes courage. And yes, it means you're going to have to go out on the ledge. Mm -hmm. And it means that you might have to face some controversy when you choose to show up. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, it just might be your children who get impacted. And I don't know about you, but I can't leave this world like this for my children. No, we're going to take a step forward every day. And and thanks for that encouragement. Yes. And I know, Kirsten, the listeners, the personal feedback that we're getting but the numbers show it too. More people are listening to us because I think they want to hear this message. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about courage and bravery. I think we have just the group on the other end of our microphone listening that want that kind of encouragement to take those steps. Beautiful. It's, it's very gratifying. All right, so listeners, exciting. thanks for coming along with us on this journey and joining our conversations. If you have feedback, questions, input, And if you have suggestions for other people in this business that you'd like to hear from, uh, please drop us a note. And until next time, here's to your IntelliKey as you reach your full potential in your business and in your life. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintellikey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. Thanks for listening to Intellikey Leadership Stories.